Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting trio. My name is JW Crewall, and I'm joined today by Andrew Mahone and no Riley Holbert. But in place of Riley, we have Jesse Parker, recent second place finisher at Pittsburgh Regionals. That is the largest regional championship to date. Welcome on to the cast, guys. Hello, Jesse. Hello, thanks for having me, JW. It's great yeah. to be back on the podcast. I was on once before. Uh, I can't remember offhand, off top, off top of my head, what the topic was for that, but it was. I remember having fun last time, so I'm excited for this one. Well, you're one of our few repeat guests, so welcome wow, back. Very cool. Yes, welcome back. yes. I'm excited to be back. Talk about kind of like the tournament you know, a little bit. <laughs> kind of like, like I. I to, it's kind of like being invited back to be the host of snl you know it's yeah. kind of like of that <laughs> yeah, level right yeah of course <laughs> yeah so now we're gonna pass off the mic to jesse for his stand-up act <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> go ahead when you're anything. when you're ready uh, yeah but... the intro monologue yep. <laughs> okay um okay just bear with us as we uh get this sorted uh jesse i thought you had that ready but apparently not so we'll keep going forward and uh maybe circle back around when uh when you get that sorted I had the best time in Pittsburgh. This was my first time at the Pittsburgh Regional Championships because I they held it there a few oh, years ago, maybe. Or was this the first time? I thought this was the first time. It was a beautiful convention center. Absolutely yeah, amazing. I loved the view of the water. Um, you know, you had the stadiums in the background and stuff. It was like very much a downtown convention center and you got to, you know, kind of feel the vibe of the city, which was really cool. How did you guys enjoy Pittsburgh? Yeah, it was fun. Um, I mean, it, it it was the convention center, like the tournament area was very spacious. It wasn't too hot, which I'm always a fan of because I don't like it when it gets too hot. Um, yeah, the city was nice. Um, everything just felt really solid. Uh, uh, yeah, in general, it was it was a really nice place. I thought. Yeah, I uh, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. It was cool. I like Pittsburgh a lot. I feel like it's got a a nice vibe to it and as funny as that is i mean it, it uh it's kind of like a working class city you know i like that you can go out to a bar with a ball cap and a t-shirt and you fit right in with anybody else that's out i prefer cities like that um yeah i like baltimore a lot uh, i like cleveland akron you know those those kinds of cities you go out in a city like dc or columbus you know and everybody's all dressed up and you know <laughs> trying to impress like that's not my scene you know just not lamborghinis everywhere yes the the many lamborghinis of columbus ohio in columbus dude columbus is so pretentious it really? is it, oh my goodness yes and it's like being from Baltimore, even though Pittsburgh and Baltimore have, you know, some sports rivalries and stuff. Um, I do respect Pittsburgh a lot as a city and I like it a lot as a city. It's got a it's got a nice vibe to it. It's uh it's very down to earth and low key. I like that. Yeah, it was it was really an amazing time. So if you ever had the chance to get out to Pittsburgh Regionals, I mean I, I do hope that they continue to have them there at Pittsburgh because I thought the venue was among the best that I'd ever been to for regional in terms of space and accessibility and things like that. But Second biggest uh, or second place finish, Jesse, for you at the biggest tournament in the United States, the biggest regional tournament in the world. Congratulations. Yeah, First thank of all, you. that's a really big deal. And you, of course, played a deck that 
was a variation on what we had played at Worlds, right? So Maridon is going strong in our testing group. We have been of American players. I would say we have been some of the biggest core to kind of push that archetype. There have been pockets and people here and there that have played Maridon for a long time, but very few that have gotten the results um, that that our group has had. Certainly, you know, Andrew's 21st place at Worlds and then your second place, Jesse, at Pittsburgh. So um, walk us through. I kind of want to get a little bit of perspective from both of you guys. Why Maridon? Why did we end up sticking with it? from worlds to the new format, right? Cause we did get obsidian flames. How much was Charizard factored into how you were preparing for Pittsburgh? Was it even on your radar? Did you expect any new decks to arise? Um, or did you expect any new kind of, uh, response metagame responses from what we saw at worlds to impact the playability of Maridon heading forward? Like where were you heading into Pittsburgh with, how viable you felt like Maradon was. Um, yeah, so, I mean, after Worlds, I mean, Maradon felt really good for, I think, most of us at Worlds. Um, the four path to the peak was definitely surprising a lot of people. If the Maradons didn't surprise people, then the paths definitely did, <laughs> because a lot of people did not expect that, uh, obviously, at Worlds, and it ended up working out really well. I think it worked out pretty well for me, despite me not making day two. I was one win away for making day two. I was five and one at one point and then lost back-to-back win-and-ins to just summon, uh, mix some unfortunate matchups slash the, my deck just kind of bricking, like starting Squawkabilly and like nothing else and just Squawk and Seizing and getting nothing. Uh, so I had some pretty bad beats there, but then Andrew Mahone, you know, made top 32, day two, top 32, 21st place with it. So the deck definitely proved itself. So the deck already still felt fine. And not much, I mean, from what we saw from Obsidian Flames, probably one of the worst competitive sets in recent memory in terms of, like, competitively viable cards, at least leading up, at least in the meta we're in right now. Uh, the only real ch- card there was or deck to look at was Charizard EX, obviously, the new big Dark-type Pokemon that could, you know, hit big damage late game. But it is very reliant on an ability, so it kind of made sense to kind of keep the paths in the deck. I mean, there wasn't any reason really why to take them out at first. But um, on the other side, and there was another Maridon that made top 32, Sajin Park also making top 32 with Maridon. But his version was a little bit different. I mean, it's still a Maridon deck, kind of does a lot of the same things. But instead of playing Path, it's just a more straightforward list with the Beach Quartz. Couple beach courts and opens up more spot to fit things like Drapion V, Luminion V, other like little tech things to round out the deck. So what you lose in disruption, you gain in like slight boost in consistency and just like uh, being able to tech for things like Mew, which a lot of people really like to play, and, and some big groups like Azul's group really likes playing Mew. They ran it back. So uh, I really wanted to take both versions of the list and try to find like the best version of both of them because there were things I really liked about uh, Andrew's list that he pioneered and things I really liked about Sajin. So I really liked that in in the list we played at Worlds, the two big charms and the two forest seals stones i really liked that i liked not being super heavily reliant on arvin being able to like play a draw supporter and still hit those cards so i really liked that so i kind of that's what i what kind of what i did i took the paths out um and i went with the beach courts but i still played the two charms the two forest seal stones and it really felt like a good mix of the two lists so and the one thing i was worried about though was um charizard because like yes it's doesn't seem like the most overwhelmingly strong card but uh it is a deck that when it gets going it's pretty hard to deal with 
Um, and the pass can stop that. But I, as I played against the deck without the pass, it, the matchup honestly felt fine. Because mm. one card in Maridon that is just like so strong is the Bravery Charm, giving your basic Pokemon plus 50 HP. It's just really annoying for the Charizard deck to deal with. Because lots of times you'll be so aggressive, you'll go up two prizes, you'll knock out their Arceus V. And then they can't respond KO on your basic Pokemon. Because with the plus 50 HP, it puts them out of range because they're doing 240 after you've taken two prizes. Yeah, exactly. So, so they then, either have to have yes. the Lost Vacuum in hand or they have to have the boss. And that's or not the damage always mod. the case. Or the damage yeah. mod, right? Like a Vitality and, Band. A lot of times they can't do that because they're playing their Jacques or whatever supporter they're playing to set up their board. Like they're a V-Star for Jacques, Jacques for, um, you know, Charizard and Pidgeot and then V-Star for Rare Candy and, you know, do the whole giant combo. Um, but when they're if they're doing that, they're swinging into your active for usually not a knockout, assuming you found your charm, which you usually do because you're seeing like more than half your deck on your first turn. Um so then they're swinging into you for non-knockout, and then they have a lightning-weak support Pokemon on the bench, so then you just can just gust that up, take another two prizes, and now you're two prizes away from winning the game. So that's just how a lot of games can go. And then from there, you just have to take one big Raichu knockout to win the game, which is which you can do for sure. Um, so it's not that... Obviously, it really comes down to that can they respond after you've taken two prizes. If they can, then the game gets a lot more difficult. But lots of times they couldn't. In my games, I played against one Charizard. He was on stream day one, and I played him right after that at 6-0. And that's exactly how the game went. He couldn't deal with the charm. I was taking out his Pidgeot EX every time. And every time I did that, he didn't have the cards he needed to, like, be able to win the game. So, or be able to, you know, respond. Yeah, so, you just yeah, uh, you just need to extract that one turn out of the bravery charm, right? Because even if they do, let's say they do get gust around that, yes. that's the most likely outcome. They have the gust to bring up a Maridon or uh, Raikou on the bench that doesn't have a charm attached, and they take that knockout after you've already taken two prizes. You can afford to swing into mm-hmm. that active Charizard and still exactly build up energy. Yep. Yeah, you can build up that energy so that. Once you knock out after two attacks that first Charizard with a Raikou that has a, a bravery charm, you can go in and just blow up whatever they send up after, you know, presumably a second yeah, Charizard you can, with that Raichu. You can kind of control the game. You're kind of like you're the Charizard play is kind of hoping you have to play into it, but you don't yeah. always have to play into it. Sometimes you can force them. I like one one turn I retreated to a Flaffy because I didn't have what I needed to take two prizes, or I didn't want to take one prize to boost their damage, so I just retreated to Flaffy and passed, you know, and they didn't have a gust, so they passed it back to me. And then I finally found the combo I needed to take two prizes and, you know, stay in stay in the game. So yeah, I, when I figured that out and I was playing the deck on ladder and testing it uh with people, it just felt like it was a fine matchup. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay. You don't need the paths for this matchup, it doesn't feel like. And mm-hmm. I think the biggest argument for putting the paths in the deck is Gardevoir, because that is a deck that's, when it gets going, it's hard to stop. But uh, in the in the limited testing that I did in that matchup, it still felt reasonable. It still felt fine without the pass. You really had to not miss a beat. And I found out like attacking with a single prizer early like really helps a lot. Like attacking with that Zapdos early can make it really awkward because they're still establishing their board. So they they it's hard for them to gust around it when they're still trying to evolve their Curlias and you know get energy in the discard pile. Yeah. So that matchup, thankfully, I I didn't end up actually hitting any the whole tournament, which definitely helped a lot. Um, but I, I still felt pretty confident in that matchup. Like I think if I played against some, I, I think I could. I, I definitely think I could have won. Uh, yeah. But I also didn't expect. I think if there was any tournament that Gardevoir maybe saw less play, I think it may. I was thinking maybe it would be this one, because there's just uh, a lot of um, 
there's just a lot of new decks with the Charizard that might scare off some because like everybody knew people were going to play Charizard. We didn't know how much it was going to be played. But um, I'm not really sure exactly why Gardevoir uh, didn't see a whole lot. I mean, at the at least at the very tippity top, there wasn't a whole lot in top 32. There was like a couple. True. So there was like Tord and like one other person in top 32 and that was it. So yeah, like, pretty much not once as I much started, as you would expect. Yeah, once I got up to that like six, seven win threshold, there really wasn't many up there. So like thankfully I got out of that and then Tord ended up losing one of his games. So then he went down to, to that bracket where I wasn't going to pair against him. So and it just ended up working out really well. Um, another reason why I thought Maridon would still be really strong is that Giratina Lost Zone Box is one of the most popular decks. It's obviously a very strong deck. It gets a, it sees a lot of play there. I believe it was the most played deck in day one. And I think we all kind of expected Giratina Lost Zone to still be like one of the most played decks. And Maridon just feels that just that matchup has always just felt very good for Maridon. Like you just are so aggressive. You have the they're forced to attack with a two prizer at some point late in the game. Um, so yeah, and you're just fine. You you deal with path okay after the first turn. After you get past the first turn, you don't really care about path. And I expected a lot of people to play Giratina Lost Zone Box, but I also expected a lot of people to try to counter Giratina Lost Zone Box mm. with the things like Lugia, because Lugia is pr traditionally pretty strong against that deck and Lost Zone Box decks in general. So I did expect a lot of top players to switch to Lugia and just a lot of people to play Lugia in general, because it's just a really good deck for a regional because you can just run hot with that deck and feel unstoppable because you just yeah. create such a strong board state. Yeah. And Maraida, I was like, if a lot of people are going to play Giratina Lost Zone Box, if a lot of people are going to play Lugia, if you're pretty good against Charizard, you blow, I think you blow Chen Pao out of the water. You have the Drapion for the Mew. That's like five like big decks right there. If you can just hit those decks, like you're going to just, and your deck operates the way it's supposed to. Sure. Um, You're going to, you know, have probably a pretty good day. And that's what ended up happening. I was just hitting Giratina Lost Zone boxes. I only hit one Lugia the whole weekend besides but my top eight and top four, which I got pretty fortunate. But I really didn't hit much Lugia at all. It was a lot of Giratina Lost Zone box. A lot of Chin Pows, a couple Mews, so a lot of yeah. those other decks I yeah. came to see. I didn't hit any Arceus decks. Thankfully, another deck I dodged that was really nice is I did dodge some Urshifu decks, sure. which I actually still think that matchup is not as bad as people think. Well, people we think should definitely yeah. talk about that one because I think there's some uh, list considerations that um, people can you know, add to improve that matchup. But I want to get your perspective, yeah. Andrew, uh, from, there was actually a split amongst the group. We didn't all play the same list, which right. is a little unusual for us. I think generally among our group, it's good for, we think it's good to come to a consensus because that means that we've, you know, at the very least tested or, or theoried out every card. And if we can come to a consensus or, or pretty close to one, then we all feel very confident heading in with that list. And that's what we had at Worlds. We were all playing the same exact 60, but for this event, we split off into two factions, Jesse and I playing the non-path build a Maridon and you and Riley sticking more with the, uh, the path build, uh, the world's list. So walk me through kind of what was going through your mind as soon as you learned that, well, maybe we weren't going to all stick on the same list and walk us through why you decided to stay with path in Maridon. Well, I think there's a lot of things, you know, going into this event, obviously coming off of the world championships, finishing top 32, having, uh, a really phenomenal run with uh, the Path Maridon deck, grinding through day one successfully, you know, beating a lot of decks, uh, you know, out of like 50-50 situations in day two. 
playing against five Mews without a Mew counter over the course of the two days. Um, you know, other than Path, obviously. It uh, and and still coming out two two and one against the Mews. I was like, that's eh, fine. You know, surely I won't play against five Mews again. Like that was ridiculous to see five out of sixteen games. Right, uh, it's almost a third, but. There was a lot, a lot going on, but I think it was going to be very difficult to push me off of the path build mm-hmm. after having seen so much success with it, and after having like, you know, having had a, such a good experience with it. Uh, I think I was always going to more or less give it at least one more run to kind of see how it, uh, see how it would go, and also just the nature of the trip to Japan. Um, it was a trip that was one of the best experiences of my life, but it was a trip where I came back from Japan and felt like I really needed to like recover and catch up uh, just in life in general with everything. And, um, and like grinding for the next regional wasn't necessarily the thing that was on the top of my priority list. Uh, so for me, I was pretty much going to just be sticking to my guns, right? Uh, and just kind of going with what I knew and trying to ride that out one more time while I still kind of got everything else caught back up. I mean, taking two weeks off as a content creator is like a lot of time. Uh, and I was still kind of like just uh, physically and mentally getting back on track. Uh, and then Pittsburgh was was up. So uh, I felt like, you know, it was going to be hard to push me off the path from right on build. And all I really needed was one co-signer uh, or two. Uh, and we had Riley and Michael Zeely were both like, you know, part of our group and we're, we're both like, oh yeah, just, you know, let's just send the path version in. And you two were kind of like more, I'd say not, yeah, more driven really. And more motivated to kind of like dig and, and figure out what the, uh, you know, figure out something new or, or maybe something different. And, uh, and that's understandable as well. Uh, you know, I think given the circumstances and just where, you know, you two just being hungry for that next thing. Uh, so I think it's understandable how our group kind of came up with the two. We all decided to play Maridon, but like, you know, you guys doing some digging and just wanting to try something new, me wanting to stick to what I knew, you know, I think it, it all kind of made sense. But for me, the biggest story out of out of Pittsburgh and out of this weekend in general is just Maridon, the bigger picture, right? Yeah. Uh, we saw it after the World Championships. Um, Maridon, for the first time, <laughs> hit the meta chart, right? A top 10 meta deck, which it wasn't. <laughs> like, uh, before the World Championships, like, Sajin Park had won a uh, a Champions League with it. Um, or a uh, City League or something, right? Uh, he had won something with it before. Uh, it had Kore- the up Korean... And- Korean nationals, or uh, I mean, essentially, it's you know, exactly. So, Sajin Park had won that, but that kind of more or less got written off. Things happen overseas, crazy (laughs) stuff sometimes, and doesn't really mean anything, right? That's the kind of mentality that those kinds of finishes have. You're like, ah, well, all right, right, like, yeah, it's not, it's nothing, right? But for us, it wasn't, and we invested into it, and uh, you know, and then. You know, two, apparently five Maridons grinded through day one of the World Championships. Two Maridon finished in the top 32 of the World Championships. And then from a deck where you saw almost no meta presence, then all of a sudden it was on the top 10 list. And then at Pittsburgh, it was 
the third most popular deck. There were over 200 Maridon players at Pittsburgh. And I think just thinking about that, this kind of was, this was like a Maridon movement. I played against two Maridons in the seven rounds that I played. I'm sure you played multiple Maridon mirrors. I played, played, right? I played two mirrors. Yep. Yeah, three, yeah. three mirrors for me. And the Maridon mirror is not something that I had ever played. Because why, why would you? You're not. <laughs> you're not. I mean, you're not expecting it, right? Right. Uh, but now it's like a me- a main meta deck, and I'm like, holy smokes! I'm playing. It against- had a good conversion rate too. It it converted pretty well into day two, so that says something about the, the funniest deck. thing is that I I feel like Maridon just it's yeah, like you said, it's one of those decks in players' minds, or at least was one of those decks in players' minds that just couldn't really function. It didn't have what it took to do well, and then all of a sudden, it comes out of you know, frankly, nowhere in Pittsburgh, the most, the third most played deck. And you saw it all over the online meta. You saw it all over the ladder on PTCG live. Um, it's just really crazy. And I think personally, like that deck always deserved to be there, but because of our mentality, like just, I'm talking the general player bases mentality. It just never could achieve it's like what was holding it back, right? What? Yeah, why didn't games. this deck play at NAIC? And and I keep asking myself, like, because I do think that Charm of Courage was big for the deck. I think yeah, that, that that was what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah I think that card was really big. And now we've got bravery it. Charm. Not is it bravery charm? I still yeah. call it by. I still I do too. the Japanese name. <laughs> I'm uh, usually it's uh, someone Can't correcting me, so I, I had to correct. Yeah. Bravery charm. So I think bravery charm was big for the deck, but. Now we've got, you know, second place regional championships uh, at Pittsburgh. We've got another top eight uh, at Pittsburgh. And the champion in Oklahoma, it won that tournament, like 3,000 player events. And it was and. a build. So we have, True. you know, there's... Yeah, here we go again. And this <laughs> is with the 151 meta. So, you know, you can say that... I'm trying to justify his choice. For the Pittsburgh. argument, you know, with Jesse's finish, or you could say that the path build won the bigger events. Uh, it's obviously there's validity to both versions of the list. I don't feel That's bad. The thing I, is, like I like both of them. Honestly, I like, like them both. I, I was I think they're both really sick. Yeah, I kept swapping. Like I would play the non-path version and then just get throttled by Gardevoir, and then I would switch to the path version, and I would feel like, oh, this doesn't feel i don't feel like the deck's flowing right i'd switch back so yeah i I think there's definitely merit to both versions the path obviously helps a lot versus gardevoir and lost zone box being able to limit their hand and lock their abilities is obviously very very good i mean lots of decks have been successful doing that and while doing that while taking prizes is very effective strategy for sure so i mean you could get into i could get into the nitty-gritty why i think one version is better than the other but like i think they both have merit to both i clearly i mean they've both been successful well and 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 uh, our group had you know overall success right so there were five of us uh jesse and i were on the non-path build jesse got second i was top 128 and then uh riley also played the path build and he was also a top 128 finisher so obviously we're hoping for a little bit better than that um you know from three out of five converting three out of five converting into day two that's i think that's pretty solid very solid (laughs) if we could take that every event that'd be good yeah and i you know i went i ended up four and three i started you know pretty solid and just had like 
back-to-back game three situations where it was like Marit pass versus lost box game three. You, you like can't do that. And it was like that kind of stuff happened twice in a row where yeah. it was just like lone starter pass versus a lost zone deck in a game three situation. You can't have that on a tournament winning run. And it was just like that happened back-to-back sets. And at four and three, it's like, eh, I'm going to go to a bunch more events this year. Like, it's yeah. just it's not my day. And, that, and that's okay. And I had peace with that. So, Yeah, I mean, some of the best players in the world, like the best player, I think, in North America, Zool, went 3-3 three, three drop. So it's like, that, it's, it's just, it just happens sometimes. You know, that's Pokemon. <laughs> yep. You got to sit out and you keep it pushing. Yep, <laughs> One sure. major change that we made to the... And I say major because... Uh, I think JW, you are the one who really rates this as like the biggest. I'm pushing it, man. Well, because I, I mean, I really got so many questions throughout the weekend, you know, of, oh. of like, why are you playing this card in your deck? And I had to explain to people it's better than Zerora because, He's and that cute. card is, of course, the Flying Pikachu V. Now we it's all so played Flying Flying Pikachu V. We, we all played that. it in our list, path or non-path, yeah. and Great I would change. say everyone liked it. We did. It's so right? good. It's, it's so. so good. I can't imagine playing Mariana without that card. Like straight up. Like some people look at it and they turn their head and they're like, "Oh, okay, I could see that as an option to replace Zeraora." But no, like this card needs to be in your deck. Like it's so good. It fulfills so many like niche purposes that like all together just like makes so much sense. I think it alone being able to hold Forest Seal Stone and being a pivot makes like your turn one so much easier. Like if you have a switching card in your hand, like a rope or a cart and a Forest Seal Stone, like you pop that guy out, you play your switch card, you attach Forest Seal Stone to it, let your hand discard. Like, you just, there's no way you're missing the turn one attack. It's not ever gonna, it's not gonna happen unless your generator is just getting insanely unlucky. So, like, yeah, the card is so good. It fulfills other uses too. I don't know if you were gonna get into that, JW. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna talk personally about my run. The yeah. flip is so important you know, Thundershock or fly, but you know, mostly you're going to be using Thundershock because as a pivot, you'll probably (laughs) won't be bringing it to the bench enough to get it powered up. But Thundershock was relevant in two games in day one for me. I ended up losing both of those games, but that was just because I flipped tails. If I had flipped heads, I would have won. So it took me from a situation where I was guaranteed to lose a 0% win rate against a Gardevoir and against a Lugia where they had just set up a little bit faster. And I had, you know, I missed one energy off a late generator and I couldn't power up a Raichu to take the big two prize turn. So I needed to just gain one more turn so I could use another Flaffy, get another energy attachment from hand, just kind of build the board so I could get a big Raichu. And I go for the flip. And if I flip heads, and especially against those two decks that notoriously only play you know, zero, maybe one switch. Uh, but I don't think my opponents were playing that. No. But if I flip heads, then I win, right? So it took me from, it would have taken me from a 0% win percent to a 50% win percentage just off of a flip. And that alone yep. is is the value on the card is incredible. It lets you win games that you should have no business winning, like against two of the biggest decks that I think are the harder matchups. Gardevoir and Urshifu. Like these mm-hmm. two decks is where you, you you would these are really the only two decks you're gonna use Thundershock. You can use it against Arceus and Lugia too. It's actually very effective against those decks as well. But those are two decks that you should just be beating anyways. But right. again, if you right. fall behind 
like one paralysis flip can like get you right back into that game and like obviously you don't want to be looking for that play but like it's something that you can do where if you like you said you have it turns you zero percent to fifty percent chance so that's like one of the three things that's really good for I mean Urshifu it's so nice because it one it fixes math on your Raichu attack because it does twenty damage or thirty if you have Zapdos out so it puts their Vmax in range of like an easier Raichu KO. But it also like that, like you said, they only play the one rope. So if they don't have the Irida for rope, if they've already played their rope, like the, you buy yourself an extra turn. You, and it's really good in Maridon because you you Dynamotor once per turn, so it's almost like an extra Dynamotor. If you got two of those out, it's an extra two Dynamotor. So it's like so good to be able to skip that extra turn. It, like can't be understated how good that is. And you know also. Uh... The fact that it's just fulfilling those other roles, like you're looking at the Maridon deck more or less needs a free retreater. And I think it's just optimal with a free retreater because of the fact that Dynamotor is attaching energy to the bench Pokemon. Your electric generators are attaching energy to the bench Pokemon. You need a Pokemon to be able to switch into, use those attacks. You know, Maridon EX can only attack back-to-back turns if you switch, right? So being able to switch into a free retreater and then attack again, uh, having a free retreater is essential, right? Beach Quartz is nice, you know, Beach Quartz can increase mobility, but it still doesn't, it doesn't replace the it fact It always that stays in play, yeah. One <laughs> free retreater who's just there and dependable, right? So Zara Aura was our first pick to have a one prize attacker against, like, Gardevoir situationally, but, Which, like... Uh, another know, reason why that list was better against Gardevoir. Uh, it, yeah. it, I mean, I mean, they're, like I said, I get in the nitty-gritty why one's right. better than the other, but Zara Aura is fine, too, but it just feels like the Flying Pika is... The yeah. Pika resisting fighting uh, yes, and having more HP and being able to paralyze, it's like those little things were just, like, marginally better than Zara Aura as a single prize attacker, but I think what's interesting is that Flying Pikachu V might be getting phased out come Pokemon 151, as it looks like everybody is looking at Mew EX. So what do we think about Mew EX? Is that the future of Maridon, just kind of as a little tangent, uh, seeing it in the Yokohama Champions League winning list? It is a 180-hit point psychic Pokemon with free retreats, the ability Restart, which allows you to fill your hand to three cards. We all know this ability... Very well, instruct a Rangaroo, right? Uh, from the Sun and Moon era, which is a mainstay in so many decks. And then three colorless energy genome hack. Choose one of your opponent's active Pokemon's attacks and use it as this attack. I have been looking for an attack like this on a card for so long to knock <laughs> out Giratina V stars, right? And it's just <laughs> like, I just want a card that could just bop a Giratina V and just use Lost Impact right back. And sure enough, here it is. <laughs> Yeah, this Mew EX card seems pretty crazy, honestly. I think it's like clearly, I mean, just looking at the um the Champions League, it saw play in almost every single top eight deck, which was like really crazy. I mean, you can I mean think of it in Lugia, like three colorless attack in Lugia. Like a free retreat pivot, which is just nice for the deck. I mean, you're playing Lugia, you're always like popping an energy on your Archeop so you could have a free retreat pivot. So you could like, you know, utilize all four of your special energy for the next turn. So in Lugia it fulfills that role as well. And you always get Ionode low. So you have the extra draw with the Mew to get you into that boss, that Ultra Ball for Luminion. Um, so it's good there. I mean, it's, it could see play in Lost Zone Box. I mean, it's just such a flexible card. This feels like the way a Mew, a Mew card should be printed. Mew VMAX should have never happened. Like, this is where Mew 
is should be as a utility card. I feel like that's where I feel like that's historically the way the card's always been printed, and it makes sense because the Pokemon can learn any attack in the video game, so it should be have that versatile you know ability of being able to copy any attack. What you think about being able to copy an attack? That's pretty crazy because even Radiant Greninja being able to copy Moonlight Shuriken's crazy, like against Urshifu, copy Gale Thrust or you know. G-Max Rapid Flow, Rapid Flow, the Rocktillery, like, like there's stuff that I can't wait to test this card because it seems really, really, really good for like, has three really good things on one card. So, yeah, we'll see if they get it right in PTCG Live. But yeah, I agree yeah, with well, you, right? Yeah. It, it sets up so many weird situations, especially involving Greninja. Like, we're just not really used to being able to copy opponent's attacks. I mean, we haven't seen that in a playable archetype in, in quite some time, this kind of yeah. copying attacks from around the board. So I'm excited to have that back. And, and Mew is certainly um, an insane card for the Maridon deck, potentially. Potentially, um, yeah. The, the, a little awkward to power up, but... Yeah, it's it, yeah because you can't electric generator to it, right? So you have, well, to, you have to either think, manually right? attach or you can power it up with Flaffy. Yeah, but, I mean, if that's your free retreater, then you can't... That can't be the thing you're putting up. So, like, it also can't be generated to... You have to... Dynamotor to it, you know, probably if you don't get two Flaffy set up, you're going to have to Dynamotor to it between, like, with two separate turns. Yeah, and, like, obviously likely. your opponent's going so, to be able to figure out what's going on. But, yeah, but, and I mean, even just that being able to drop to three, that might be a reason enough to play the card, you know? I mean, I could even think, uh, yeah, I mean, so I think the card definitely needs to be tested for sure, uh, because, I mean, just the card reads insane, so, like... You got you got to try it for sure. I, I mean, I, I can't I can't imagine it being bad in Maridon. Whether it's you know 100 optimal, I don't know, but that remains to be seen. But you know that's what we got to figure out. So we'll table discussion on future cards for now. I want to take a second to thank the sponsor of the Tag Team Pokemon Podcast, Manscaped. Thank you so much to Manscaped. We're so happy to be partnering with them to bring you the best in men's grooming products whether it's the weed whacker the ear and nose hair trimmer any of their boxers any of their shower supplies um their deodorant their cologne their shampoo and conditioner i mean they have so many products to get you looking and smelling and feeling your best the best part about this partnership is that you as a listener can get 20 percent off by using code tag team at checkout over at manscaped.com so head on over to manscaped.com and use that code Tag Team, T-A-G-T-E-A-M. At checkout, you get not only 20% off, but free shipping. So make sure that you check them out and get yourself a little bit of a discount in the process. So that's Tag Team over at Manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping. Tag Team over at Manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. I want to ask a little bit more about your run, Jesse. You did some pretty incredible things. A 9-0 start in day one, which, I I mean, that doesn't happen very often. That's a very notable result. No matter how day two finishes, that is very impressive. Day two, yeah. you also continued just this incredible run where it gets to a point where you're, you know, locked before what? the final two rounds or something. I mean, it was just really incredible to hear your day two run and, and to watch it all unfold. And then of course, making it to the finals where you were two games, you were one prize away from winning the tournament. So walk us through a little bit how that all felt. I really want to know 
how it felt going to bed, laying your head on that pillow after day one with a nine Oh start and kind of how you were preparing for day two and then what it felt like to make it all the way to the finals. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, going nine Oh was incredible. Like after it was all, I mean, I'll just talk about leading up to it. I mean, uh, I felt pretty confident in my, I felt confident in my ride on just as a card in general and as like the core of the deck, I was like, this is just a good deck. I, I can't imagine it's a bad call. Um, unless like Gardevoir really shows up more than I thought it was going to, or I just hit a bunch of lost box decks, which could definitely happen. Cause that deck was pretty popular too. But um, thankfully, you know, my first couple rounds I played against, like I got a no-show, then I played against a Shadow Rider deck, just ran over that. Then I played against, my first real matchup was the uh, Maridon Mirror match, which was pretty, uh, like you said, it was kind of not something I had tested a lot. But I did know that if I had any list that was probably decent for the Mirror, I think this was pretty decent because... I have the two charm and the two forest stone. Um, so I think just being able to draw into those cards naturally without having to Arvin for it is really nice because um, I know some lists do just play the one. Um, but I, I just felt pretty good about that about that in general. I mean, being able to, you know, know that going, I mean, going first and being able to promote a one prize Pokemon really limits what they could, what they can do if they have to go on odd prizes and limiting your bench for Ry, Ryko. I mean, there isn't a whole lot of nuance to mirror match, but there's a little more than you might think. It's not just like whoever gets, takes the first knockout. There's little things you can do hand disrupt plus, but, but and, and you're, you're never, you don't know whether they're playing the path version or the non path version or some, I've even seen some lists. The other list that made top eight was almost like a mix of the two. So it's kind of hard to tell, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I was able to win that 2-0 pretty swiftly. Um, then I played against a Mew. The Drapion came in clutch there. There was a game where he only had one Mew V in play, and I was like, oh, I'm pouncing on this. I had my Forest Seal Stone. I had my Nest Ball. Nest Ball for Drapion, Forest Seal Stone for Boss. Boss up his only Mew. Uh, like the game was over at that point. So Drapion coming in clutch, that gave me a lot of confidence because that was a card I was considering, you know, maybe I just shouldn't respect Mew again. But I was like, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I mean, Mew's won the last two. Won NAIC, it won Worlds. Like, this deck clearly needs to be respected. So, NAIC? Playing... Wait a second. Did not win NAIC. Or, wait. Uh, the, it won it the, like, that major uh, Japanese tournament. Sorry, it didn't. Pre, obviously, that was Urshfu. Uh Yeah, it won the yes, uh, yes that. Uh, so yeah, it won the last two like big <laughs> tournaments that weren't NAIC. Yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, it needs to be a deck that could be respected, and it always shows up at regionals. I mean, it's always like a ten percent or deck that just shows up just because it's it's a lot of people like Mew. It's a really strong deck. Uh, so yeah, having that for that matchup was really good. Then I hit Lost Tina. I hit a Lugia, I hit a Charizard, all those decks that I mentioned before, just really solid matchups for the deck. Another Lost Zone Tina, uh, that one was a little closer, but, um, you know, it just, I felt really confident. I was able to take quick prizes. Um, then I played against another Mew in my round nine, and when I saw it was Mew in round nine and not like an Urshifu or something like a Turbo Lost Box deck or Kyogre, I was like, oh man, this is about to be a 9-0, it's about to be crazy. So, and it was, I, I won 2-0, I, I felt so good. Uh, he was going for some kind of weird plays. He was like slamming path turn one. He had, yeah. I'm pretty sure only played one path. He was slamming path turn one, kind of hoping that stuck me. Again, I think he thought I was playing the path build and Rahul actually thought I was playing the path build mm -hmm. in top eight. So like, I think everybody, <laughs> I think that like, kind of buffed my deck because i think a lot of people thought i was going to be slamming path on the first turn and i'm just like nah i'm just gonna you know 
throw this beach court down retreat and you know just you know play a normal ride on deck with some extra cards in it you know so i mean that that definitely helped i think maybe a little bit like uh people thinking i was doing that so then yeah uh 9-0 it was crazy i mean i've never done better than like i i think the best i'd done before that was like 6-0 and then i would like lose two and then like id or naturally tie or play it out and lose <laughs> which happened a lot uh, so after I got that seventh win, I was like, all right, well, we'll just see how it, ke how it keeps going. You know, maybe I can get two more. And that's what happened. I was able to win two more. And yeah, that was crazy. So I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> it was kind of unreal. It still feels kind of unreal. I didn't actually do it. But like, yeah, I did. So that, that was kind of cool. Uh, so then, yeah, going into the next day, um, I was like feeling so obviously very confident in my deck. I mean, I hadn't lost yet. And like a lot of my wins were like two O's. Like my last yeah. like three rounds of the day were two O's. Like I didn't even take a loss. Like so then um going into round ten, I uh I finally hit like a turbo loss box deck, which I was like, okay, this is probably where I'm gonna take a loss. You know, I don't have the paths. I don't have like I did play the extra Iono, so I do have the two Iono. So I was like, okay, if I can judge them early, if I can get that key Iono, if I can, I still have the switch cards and the charms, which help a lot against Lost Box. If I can do those things, maybe I can, you know, scrape together two wins. No, I got blown out of the water 2-0, so uh, he was just able to... It wasn't even, like, a Sableye thing. He was just able to, like, turn one Dragonite, like, take another KO with Raikou. Like, he just prize-raced me, so, yeah. And then the next round, I'm against an even worse Lost Box deck. I'm against Kyogre Lost Box, and I'm like, oh, there is no chance I'm beating this deck. So in my head, I knew right away. I was like, I knew it was Estrada. I saw him next to me my last round playing aquastorming some poor soul so then um i was like okay i just need to choose to go second hope he has a slow start and then just try to cheese one win and then just hopefully all three games are long the other two games are long enough that i can just tie and that's exactly what happened it came down to last game one he washed me um game two he um he uh you know had the slow start he went i let him go first he had the slow start I won that game pretty quick. He tried to play it out at first, and then he looked at the clock and realized, yeah, if I want to win this series against a good matchup, I need to scoop and go to game three with 20 minutes left. He, unfortunately, it was not quite enough time for him to win. Game three of time, he couldn't quite hit the Kyogre knockout, so it was tie. It was a tie. I was like, I'll take that. Tie in this matchup is fine. And then I hit some of my good, better matchups. I hit the Chen Pao. Uh, that beat that pretty easily. Hit another uh, Maridon Mirror match, which is the Adam Reinhardt who made ended up making top eight. Um, won that pretty handily. Um, then I play against another Lost Zone Tino, win that, and then I get the and then that's what, what going into round fourteen. Technically, I can double ID into cut, which is like crazy. Um, but you know, with everybody has to play it out. It was crazy. Like table two loves like playing it out like in the late rounds, which is like. It's, I mean, I've never made it up that far. So, like, I guess that's really crazy, which is like normally, is I guess. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Usually like, I said, you got your top two or yeah. three tables are all tying in. So, I was the, yeah. I was the one down pair into Austin Ellis playing Los Antina. So, I was like, all right, well, we're playing this out. And I was like, um, I was like, I kind of didn't like super rush. I was like, cause if, if I end up tying this round, then I probably can just tie the next round. So, I was like, if I, if we tie, great. But I was able to 2 0 that. So, you know we'll take that um and then the last round i was able to id obviously um finally um so yeah that was really crazy going into day two first seed going into top eight first seed um was really nice because i hit a really good bracket so i guess it ended up being good that i 
was first seed because in top A, I hit Rahul Reddy on Lugia, which obviously Lugia is a great matchup from Rhydon. You love seeing that. It's by no means a free matchup, but um, um but you can make the you can even make mistakes and still win. Uh, right. some, would, I mean, some would like say, some would say, <laughs> <laughs> you could forget to use your Dynamoter ability and still win. Yeah, you can, you can retreat and then force Seal Stone <laughs> oh for a switch card and still yeah. win. I was like, at books. that point, yeah, who at, needs them? <laughs> at that point, I was like, maybe. So yeah, on stream, if you haven't watched, you can go watch my top eight match on like a, back on the VODs. I played against Rahul Reddy on top eight, and I forgot that on my, of course, my first ever stream game. On my turn two, I evolved a Flaffy. I look at my hearts for a minute, then I go to retreat, and I realize I forget to Dynamotor to attack with my Raikou. I was like, in my head, I thought that, like, I don't know what I was thinking, honestly. So I go to retreat, and then I say retreat, but I don't move my hand off the car, but they said since I said retreat, I couldn't take it back. So I was like, I understand. So I was like, at least, and they're like, you can choose which one to promote, though. And I'm like, okay, yes. Yeah. So I promote another guy that isn't Raikou, thankfully. And then I flip my V-Star marker real quick. My face gets all red. I go and grab my uh, stupid switch cart. I even thought about that time. Maybe I should just get generator, you know, <laughs> instead of switch cart. Because, like, why not? But then I thought I would feel even more like an idiot if I went and grabbed generator and I whiffed completely. Like, <laughs> So I was like, uh, well, actually, no, that wouldn't have. Yeah, it wouldn't was, have worked. So, that wouldn't retreat. have worked either. Yeah, you so no. Yeah, I had to retreat. Yeah, so yeah, no, I'm getting that mixed up with another game, I think. But anyways, so I grabbed the switch card. It was fine. But then thankfully, I make a good play a little bit later in that same game where like I'm like I'm on odd prizes because I had to go through a stone journer, which yeah. that's how you lose against Lugia because it's obviously a prize race and they can prize race you too. They can go two, two, two and you can go two, two, two. But if at any point you have to hit through a one prizer and can't boss around it. Uh, then you're in trouble, obviously. So they have that single price stone journey that hits all your guys for weakness. So if they're able to use that at some point, weave that in, and I can't gust around it, then the game I could lose. So that's why it's not free. Um, and uh, so he did that. I had to go on odd prizes, which didn't feel great. Um, but then I realized if I'm odd, odd prizes, might as well. There was a turn where... I didn't have any like li I didn't have any Pokemon on my board where he could KO with Lugia because I had a double turbo attached to it. So mm. I was like, if I if I boss and KO his Archeops, then he needs to have quite a lot off his like really small hand to be able to respond and take a KO because my Raikou had a charm on it. So mm. my Raikou had a charm. He couldn't one shot Raikou with Lugia. He couldn't one shot either of my Maridons with Lugia. He didn't want to take a single prize. So it put him in this really awkward spot where he had to get like a Tyranitar out and mm. get a double turbo and two single strike energies. But he, with one Archeops out, he needs to be able to manually attach to the Tyranitar to be able to either double to a single strike energy. Um, and his third single strike energy was prize, thankfully. So I kind of got bailed out there, honestly. Um, and I was able to play an escape rope to bring up a two prizer because he passed with Archeops active. So I kind of got bailed out there, but then game two was a lot more straightforward. I was able to just like, he went first, just did a typical Lugia turn one where he just like draws a card and passes. So I'm like, all right, cool. Take a two prize knockout. Um, Zapdos really came in clutch in both those games because Zapdos allows you to hit 230 on Tyranitar V, which is really nice because it forces you, you don't have to use the Raichu to take a knockout, a one shot. So it lets Maridon hit 230 on Tyranitar. It just really smooths out being able to knock out those tier 30 HP Pokemon with like like Dragonite, there's, Tyranitar. There's one other 
math fix that Zapdos has in the Lugia matchup. I just want to point this out because it was relevant to my run and maybe listeners are out there and wondering about the Lugia matchup. But if they have a V-Guard energy attached to a single Lugia, you can get a full bench and knock out with Raikou. Oh, true. With the Zapdos. You can even use Zapdos to take your first two prizes if you want. I mean, it does 110 damage. So Zapdos uh. was a card. <laughs> Zapdos was a card that I had wished that I played this day. So it, uh, I didn't end up needing it at Worlds. Um, as I responded, I actually went undefeated against Lost Box, uh, Tina, and Lost and Turbo Lost Box at Worlds. Yeah, you did. You went like two 4-0 old, against Turbo Lost Box, both I think. Turbo Lost Box I played against, including Aiden Koos, which was like, you know, I felt ecstatic after that. I was like, this is one of the best players in the U.S., you know, playing a deck that I didn't think was going to be a great matchup. And I did it without Zapdos, just barreling through Dragonite <laughs> with Raichu, right? Uh, but uh, I think that... And then one time uh, against Aiden, I, I whiffed the knockout on the on the Dragonite, but then, like, was still able to win that game. So I didn't think too much of it. I was like, ah, it's fine. It's fine. Why would I need the Zapdos, right? <laughs> well, because, like, of the games that I played against, I, I won those. In this day, it was like, all right, I, I did whiff a, na- a knockout against a Dragonite V that cost me, like, probably a set, right? And it was like, okay. that. Uh... Well, it's, it's funny because, like, in the path version, you're kind of, like, hoping. I mean, you're kind of, like, they're going to miss a beat at some point, you're hoping. Yeah. So you don't really feel like you might not need, like, the single prize attacker or the math fixer because you're like, I can just use right. <laughs> yeah. Or they're going yeah, not, not to, they're they're that supposed point. to. So it's like, yeah. it, I don't know. It's, I mean, the Zapdos definitely helped a lot. I mean, it, it is just a really good single prize attacker against a lot of decks like Gardevoir, for example. It's actually, it feels weird to say that, but it, it's actually just a really good attacker against Gardevoir early game. It locks out all their little guys. It's a guy because with Zara aura, you can only do it once they've damaged their baby Gardevoir. So, like, at that point, they're already fully set up because they have a baby Gardevoir with a bunch of energy on it. So, yes, Zeraora trades well into that, and, like, that can still help if they can't boss around it, but being able to use a single prize attacker earlier than that um, helps a lot. But, yeah, the Zapdos definitely just makes... It just it has... A, like, same thing as, like, Flying Pikachu V. It just has all these little uses that just... Let get your deck be a little more flexible and be able, like smooths everything out. So um helps a lot against Lugia. So then after I beat Rahul 2-0, um uh, in top four I play against Andrew Hedrick, and obviously he's on Lugia, so I'm like, this is awesome, man. This is my run. If someone can just knock out Estrada, I'll be so happy because I feel fine against Chen Pao, I feel fine against La Santina. I feel fine against Mew, but yeah, unfortunately, uh Estrada's deck was just too broken. Uh but um Anyways, uh, I was able to beat Hedrick in top four. Those were some... The first game was pretty wacky. The first game was a little wild because I had to I had to generator onto Zapdos because I had two generators in my hand, but no way to get other Pokemon. But I did have my Zapdos in my hand. So I played both my generators, hit single energies up both of them, just powered up my Zapdos. And he starts Eveltal, which he doesn't realize is weak to lightning. So I think he was kind of wondering why I was like powering up Zapdos. I don't know, but... um. And I go to knock out Eveltal, and he didn't think it was a knockout, but I was like, yeah, it's a bird. It's weak to lightning. So uh, <laughs> I take the single prize knockout with Zapdos, which is kind of weird because it puts me on odd prizes, but it forces him to go through an odd prize. So he ends up just researching away his stone journer because he, he's like, okay, I'm there, I guess I don't need this if I'm going to have to, you know, um, if knock, me knocking that out is going to put me back on even prizes. So 
Uh, that game's a little wacky. It gets to a point where like we're both kind of stalemated because he doesn't have the boss to go through a single pr- to go through my Maridon with a charm on it. But I'm like one energy, one energy sh- or two energy short of a knockout. Um, but I have one energy on board with a Flaffy. So and I have a generator in my hand. So I could either play the generator and hope it hits two energies or i could play the ultra ball in my hand discard the generator and the other card in my hand which was dead go get a second flaffy and then guarantee the second energy and then next game i can get enough energies to um knock out with raichu it was something like that i got a little wacky i have a hard time like remembering how games end up playing out but uh um it ended up coming down to he needed to have a boss and then i needed to have a boss I didn't have it and went back and forth for like two turns. And then eventually I top decked the boss and was able to win game one just by the skin of my teeth. Um, and then game two went a lot how my game against Rahul went. It was just like very like he didn't set up it really at all. I just took two, two, two. I bossed his only Lugia V at one point. It was like, oh, yeah, lights. Yeah, out. it was like it was lights <laughs> out. Yeah. Which is like the funny thing, because I feel like I even felt fine. Like when I made that flub against Rahul, I was like, if burning my forest steel stone ends up losing me this game, I was like, I'll just clean. I'll just not make any mistakes. I'll just win game two and three. Same against Hedrick. Game one was a little rough. I was like, I'll just win game two and three because it's like this match was fine. Like I can drop a game. It's whatever. Like I still felt okay. Thankfully, it didn't come down to that, and I didn't get punished. Which, thank God, because <laughs> like I would have been so mad if I had lost versus either of the Lugia. I mean, obviously anything can happen, but I was like, this feels like this bracket was made for my deck. Um. So yeah, and then um in the finals, I'm up against Andrew Strada, obviously playing Lost Zone Kyogre, which I is probably like out of any of the decks, probably the number one deck you don't want to play against. Because you just don't really have anything. You can't even rely on Iono because they can stay on four prizes for the whole game until they have, you know, the double knockout. Um, th- it was kind of weird because he got pretty extremely unlucky in like almost all of his games. Game one kind of went fine. Game two, he dead drew. Game three, he like missed Colrus for like three turns straight. So uh, a lot of people look at it that I got unlucky because I prized two of my Raikou in game three. But no, like his deck was like, not you had to like was... pass a turn in game three, and he just looked at you and passed back. <laughs> yeah, it passed back, and like it, it was, it was really <laughs> wacky. Yeah, it was really wacky. Um, and yeah, it it was it was kind of wild. But um, and game two is exactly what happened in our Swiss rounds. Game two, he, he just had like a really slow start. Uh, I was able to just win quick, and I was like, wow, if this can happen one more time, I'll be the champion. Um and uh yeah it didn't work out that way and he didn't end up using kyogre at all in all three games he ended up just having to use sableye and cramorant which was good for my deck because it made it so i could use my ionos and my judges and it was unfortunate because game one kind of played out that way where he had to go down to two prizes i still had two iono in deck so i was like man if i could just draw into this iono i could i think i could win this game so i like dynamo to my raiko i switch cart i'm like man if i fleet foot an iono i'm gonna be i'm gonna pop off so, but I, I it's just a ride on and i'm like ah there's he's gonna have it so uh he, he actually had to play into my ionos but unfortunately game one i couldn't find it game two uh, obviously was a blowout then game three i had to luminian and iono him to three um and that did slow him down quite a bit but it still wasn't enough because at the i had that one turn i whiffed a knockout mm-hmm. um prizing the raikos didn't end up mattering too much but it definitely could have thankfully my generators are being kind to me that game so it didn't end up mattering too much because it's really 
annoying for them to go through Zapdos, honestly. Um, so that that's something where I used the Zapdos where I didn't think I'd be using it that much. Um, same thing against Gardevoir. Just a good single prize attacker. Good against it has 120 HP, so it doesn't get one shot by Cramorant. Um, but you got to be careful using it early because then you don't have the buff to KO their Dragonite. Um, but he didn't end up using Dragonite in any of those three games, but he did in Swiss, so I was kind of preparing for it and trying to get some energy on my Maridons on the bench. But yeah, I uh, ended up losing that, obviously. Um, so that's fine. Honestly, I think that's about how it should have ended. I feel like I definitely would have. <laughs> like, I think I used up all my luck at that point. It was uh, So he deserved the win for sure. His deck was definitely really good for the for the tournament. So. so yeah, that was the end of the run. So I'm really happy with the second place. I feel ecstatic to finally, I've been saying, like, I really want this, like, one big finish. So I've been working really hard for it. So it's really cool to finally have that payoff for an event it's definitely got me even more motivated to try and go to even more events and try to just get that f- first regional win so i can join that club that i know sick. now we got peoria man yeah now so we gotta I just... grind for peoria <laughs> so yeah once again jesse congratulations on the run Thanks. and i just wanted to take the last few minutes here to talk about looking forward i mean we're all yep. planning to go to peoria some of us are planning on going to toronto those are the next upcoming north american regionals and I wanted to get your perspectives. We talked a little bit about Mew EX, but are there any other cards that you're looking at um, for Maridon? Or um, alternatively, are there any other decks in general that you're looking at playing for either of these two tournaments that aren't Maridon? Hmm. I, uh, yeah, man, I'm going to play uh, Zork. <laughs> I saw with, you play that in stream. With the Belly Bolt. No, no belly bolt. That card's too. <laughs> no, it's an auto win against the third most popular deck. No, if they play Mew EX, you losing to attack with it. <laughs> they can motivate you like ten times. Yeah, they they frankly could. As soon as as soon as you start winning, then you can't attack with it. So, so yeah, the belly bolt. No, no, you don't need that card. Just uh, <laughs> Zoro box, man. Broken. What makes Zoro bots good? What does it have? It has I saw everything. it has like 10 different attackers. I don't know what yeah, like half of them do. Every, it's everything. How do, everything. How do you beat Lost Box? That's, I think, the big question. That's you why Zorobox. Serena and chill, bro. You're chilling. And you got the uh, league, league headquarters. League headquarters, Slowbro, Iono, Radiant Serena. Throw the book at him. The league headquarters is sick. That that card's actually cool. Yeah. Iono to two or one. League headquarters, <laughs> Radiant Serena. Yeah, they ain't doing squat, bro. And you got slow, bro, to like, even if you happen to be in a sussy situation. Yeah, it's kind of weird. The, and you got um, the Oinkalone EX, right? Because you could transform into Oinkalone EX, use jet energies. You play four jet, four reversal. Use jet energy, move your dudes around. Oinkalone's got 260. At the end of the game, Lost Box ain't even trying to do 260, bro. All so right, like, somebody you take the chef hat off. Oinkalone and you're just oinking, dude. Somebody needs I to think... take the chef's hat off. I think we lost him, Jada. You've been cooking too much, man. I've been cooking, bro. I've been cooking. <laughs> Not to mention hey, they, they laugh against the Maridon deck, dude. You just you smack everything in that. They they have no shot. They they laughed when you played Maridon, so that's we'll what I'm see saying. If they're laughing in a month. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, me, anyway, I don't know. I, don't... I like Maridon, but I'm gonna yeah. be I'm gonna be in the in the kitchen, is what I'm saying for Peoria. Yeah, I'm definitely like down to down to cook, you know. Uh, it's kind of cool seeing the way Maridon's kind of developed in the meta because it just shows that, like, you just got to play a deck and figure out a deck to figure out. I mean, 
there i mean who knows how many deck how many cards were actually like good if you combine them with the right card or you know actually like you know take them seriously so Mm -hmm. um it's just i mean uh, it's kind of a it's nice it it shows you don't have to just (laughs) part of me wonders part of me wonders if the game designers are just like yes yes they figured yeah. it they out. Figured it out. So. They, so. they got it. I think so. <laughs> That's well, what like we they, intended. They ride on, and they knew it was had potential, and people laughed at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I thought the deck was. I thought the deck and was horrible until later, they're like, Finally. <laughs> Maridon will always be horrible. I don't care how. I don't care if that deck wins a regional. I, I refuse to believe that deck is good. What deck? <laughs> Chimpow. Oh yeah, no, that deck stinks. Chimpao, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. is terrible for sure. Dude, I tried playing some of that 30 item Chimpao list from the top eight of Pittsburgh on stream. And major respect to that player for their accomplishment, but holy smokes. I'll let you know when I lose to a Chimpao. Uh hasn't happened yet, but um first ever top eight though. That's true. This yeah. was it. And he's playing it. And I like, like, if I was going to say, if you're going to play Chin Pao, I would set it before, like, the, I mean, I mean, it, obviously it's the version that did well at, or got top 16, I believe that was NAIC. But it's like that turbo list where you're just like Pokestop, Cross Switchers, just trying to cheese Gardevoir, cheese Lost That's Box with the, with the Cologne. Yeah, with the Cologne, um, you know, Radiant Greninja Snipe. Like, that's what you got to do, I think, for the deck to be good. You got to, you know, you know throw yes, everything out them yeah uh but yeah looking at forward to like the 151 meta i think it'll be like an obsidian's flames things again where i don't think we're getting like a whole lot of i mean this is a mini set so this should be a set where we don't get like a new major archetype and we're getting a lot of like interesting tech cards like the mu ex uh Maridon gets the zapdos ex which is kind of cool another cool card we didn't talk about um there's some interesting trainers like the snatch arm is one i'm looking forward to mm. Um, the Snatch Arms got an, an, is an interesting item card coming out. Uh, there's that Erica's Invitation, that supporter that lets you look at their hand, take a Pokemon, put it on the bench, and swap it to the active all at once. So that's kind of cool. I'm sure maybe there's like some kind of control deck with Snorlax you could do with that, um, the block Snorlax. Um, so yeah, there's some interesting stuff for sure. So I don't think the meta is going to change that much. I think it'll really just be like Mew EX finding its way into some decks. I mean, you can kind of just look at the Champions League and kind of see the meta is probably not going to change too much, which is fine. I think uh, it'll definitely things will probably stay around the same. So I think any deck that's doing good now is going to stay good. I don't think too much is going to change. I do think like Giratina as a card gets slightly worse because Mew EX being able to copy that attack, I think just naturally is like pretty bad for the deck. <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see where Lost Tina goes as a deck. I'm not really I haven't really thought about it too much. But that's something I'm definitely going to be thinking about leading up to Peoria, and I'm going to be testing those cards for Before sure. Before we go, JW, what do you think about the best-performing Charizard EX deck? Charizard Glade. <laughs> um, that's out another... the Oklahoma Champions League, dude, top eight. That's another Charizard cook, Glade. man. I mean, I'm willing... Okay, so I think me playing Maridon was one of those times that it, it really broke me out of my shell. Cause a lot of times I would prefer to play lists that are, you know, four of four of four of four of four of, uh, and that's just my preference. And with the list that Jesse and I played, it was a little bit looser than that. And right. I played even one that was uh, maybe a little looser than, than Jesse's and had a, yeah. a few you more. Had the vacuum so, in there. Yep. So, 
and and that was cool like i'm i'm cool to be a little bit funkier and a little bit spookier and sillier and goofier uh, and oh just kind of just kind of be a little silly little guy with my decks now so <laughs> you know if you're saying it. charizard's good like as long as we can test it a little bit before the event let's <laughs> I, and i really would like to pick a deck maybe a week out you know maybe week we can get out. some quality week quality out. testing what? sessions That's going here and then you know we we can cook, man. We can cook. No, no, I can't. I can't pick my deck a week out because then when my audience asks me what deck I'm playing for so and so regionals, when I say I don't know, I'll be lying. Well, the Ooh. thing is, Andrew. <laughs> the thing is, here's the secret: you don't have to read every chat message. <laughs> you don't have to acknowledge People every chat. He's engaging with his chat. That's what a good People streamer does. In my face, dude. <laughs> he has in your face. Well, you could say the rest of the team is on something, but uh, yeah. I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. There you go. Uh-huh. I'm contractually obligated by my by yeah, my. I've squad. signed a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> so. I think we'll all be on the same deck for Peoria. We'll see. Yeah, we'll that's see. the if, goal. If Charizard, if Charizard Glade ends up working out, that is you know realign. absolutely i'm glad we got to realign here tonight fellas thank you all so much for listening to the cast if you want to get more plugged in to us on social media they can find the tag team podcast over at tag team pokemon on the app formerly known as twitter you can find andrew at enjoy friend and myself at real john walter and jesse parker over at jesse parker with no e no a no a there we go okay excellent jesse parker with no a that's going to do it for the cast tonight thank you all so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one see ya see ya